0: Hi everyone, it's Lynn and it's the Actors Diet Podcast and this episode my guest is Jasmine Singer. She is the executive director of Our Hen House, which is a multimedia hub of opportunities to change the world for animals. She is a vegan. She is an author of a book that recently came out called Always Too Much and Never Enough. And Jasmine is a very old friend of mine. We met in the year 2000 at a theater company called Nightstar, where we taught HIV education and sexual health to students and doctors via theater. So I know Jasmine a long time. We were very different back then, and we weren't even actually friends back then. But we're friends today, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. Jasmine, this is very exciting, not only because you're also a podcaster and an excellent one at that, but also because you are probably, I mean, aside from Christy, my oldest friend that's been on this podcast because, well, so we should say that Christy Myers who I don't even know what episode she was. She and I had met through a theater company in New York City called Nightstar, which is also how I met Jasmine. And actually, I feel like I might have known you before, Christy. Like we both joined the theater company the same time. And Christy, even though she was a member before us, we didn't really know her until later on. So I go
1: further back with you than Christy. Yes. I just want to out there,
0: Christy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, congratulations on winning.
1: What do I win? <laughs>
0: I don't know. You just, <laughs> you win a podcast interview with me. That's what you win. No, that's the thing you win. <laughs> but um, nope. this is, this is going to be really interesting, I think, not only because we have so much history, but because you are probably one of the only people who knew me when I was in my eating disorder and I knew you. When mm. you were a completely different person, also.
1: So, yeah. So let's. Yeah, I like that we've. Dig. Uh, that we've, we've. Our relationship has definitely gone through more changes than the vast majority of relationships that I know that survive. So I, I think we should go on a vacation together, right? like put our feet up and just get each other like we did it or whatever. We did it, yeah. Jasmine. <laughs> there's got to be a greeting card for that
0: but i mean like okay so jasmine singer when people think of you today they think of this feminist vegan activist uh who is can i say that you identify as a lesbian
1: i think you should scream that <laughs> She's sh-
0: i mean but when i knew jasmine singer those weren't the things i thought of in the in mm-hmm. initially so I'm just really interested because people always say that you should really honor your inner truth. So I'm wondering how you got to that place. Because when we met, it was what? We were like in our 20s?
1: Oh, early, tw- early 20s, I was, right? I was uh, I was 21, I think. And you know, I'll be 37. So that's how long ago it was. <laughs> However, I can't do math, but that was how long ago it was. So
0: yeah, <laughs> it was like this time period where like, you know, you're forming your identity and whatnot, but I, more so than anyone else I know, I feel like you, I wouldn't say radically changed, but you found who you were and you identify so strongly with that, that it's hard to picture you as anything else. But I have the proof <laughs> in, my, in my memory. So, so how did you get there? How did you get to that point? Can I actually just say
1: I don't think you liked me very
0: much. Well, I didn't. Well here's the thing. Here's here and this is this is good for us to talk about because I think it's you know, you always hear about when people don't like you and people are always mm-hmm. like, Oh, that's because they're working on their own shit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and you're like, Whatever, no, that's not what it is. They just don't like me. But in the case with you, the things I didn't like about you were definitely the things I didn't like about myself and like I said we were both going through eating disorders at the same time Mm -hmm. so like it was almost like I saw through you Mm
1: -hmm. and I was almost
0: unwilling to accept you because if I was to accept that then I had to accept that that was the problem with myself
1: I just got the chills like nine times in a row I just wish I was there so I give you a hug
0: (laughs) But you know it's like That's that's a good lesson I think for people To know in general Is that Mm -hmm. when somebody's like Oh that person doesn't like me I think that really it is Like their own shit that they have to deal with (sighs)
1: Yeah, and that's the what's annoying about that is that's kind of like the thing that mom tells us, right? Like they have a problem with themselves and that's why they make fun of you and you're like, (laughs) sure doesn't feel that
0: way at the time when
1: you're in it. But here we are,
0: proof is in the pudding, like Jasmine singer couldn't love you more. So I mean that's I mean, that's also I guess just a part of growing up and whatnot. But yeah. Yeah. So when we we're going back to that time when I didn't like you
1: Okay, let's do it. Um, I didn't like you that much either. So.
0: You know what? It's all mutual. It's all good. But like, yeah. what, what, is, what is that? What, is, what, what, what brought you to this point where you were able to figure out, oh, this is what resonates true to me? Because it feels like life is so confusing. How did you so accurately
1: pinpoint what you wanted to be doing? I think it is it, for me it, and you know we all have different trajectories but for me the process of figuring out the ways that I was betrayed by the food industry was almost a safe way for me to slowly learn all of the ways that I was also betraying myself and I didn't realize that until a few years into the journey so and that's you know that that's really what I've been focusing on that's what my book is about and it's just about the fact that I became an activist and I became a vegan way, way before I confronted the personal issues around food. So I almost did it backwards. Like uh, food is a very personal political issue, of course. And for me, I looked at the, uh, at the political and only the political. And I, I decided to just close my eyes to the personal so once I was further along with that I was already an animal rights activist you know I I had an established career as an animal rights activist only then did I realize that I couldn't effectively advocate for anybody else unless I was also advocating for myself
0: that's deep yeah. that's really deep but you know (laughs) like it's funny I remember when I first started listening to our hen house um how, how many years ago did you guys start? I mean, I've been listening since the our, beginning.
1: Oh, thanks, Lynn. We, we're in our seventh year, and we've never missed a week because I have OCD apparently <laughs> and refuse to not produce for one week.
0: But I remember when I was first listening and, you know, hearing you being so vocal about um, why you have chosen a vegan diet. And, mm-hmm. like, that to me was – it was around the same time that I started blogging So seven years also. And Mm -hmm. for me, like I remember thinking to myself, oh, this is so great that Jasmine has something to focus on, like a new relationship with food. You know, Mm -hmm. that's like what blogging was for me. It was a way to take an obsession with food that was unhealthy and turn it into something that was productive. And I, I felt like I could see that same thing for you. But you're saying that wasn't. The case exactly still personally like what was going on for you at home no it,
1: it, it was part of the now I can see because I have the perspective that it was part of the greater plan for my my healing with food and with eating and with my body but at the time I was simply focused on changing the world for animals but not this animal not me right. and so what I did was I replaced a life time of food addiction and eating processed junk foods with the vegan version which the silver lining there is that there is a vegan version of every single kind of animal product out there as you know yes. <laughs> and i felt it was my moral obligation to try all of it so because it was for the animals you know and <laughs> so i still i i had all of this pent up uh you know, pent up stuff from being a bullied kid, and even though I was thirty seven years ago, I I was still a bullied kid in my in my heart, you know, and that was something that I wasn't able to confront until I took a break from why I just went to drunk food, uh, just monomaniacally and obsessively and unendingly at the end of long days instead of actually pausing to pay attention to what I actually needed, and so. For me, I was 30. I was on my way to heart disease. I was a longtime vegan. I had a master's degree in experiential health and healing, and it was embarrassing. I couldn't even go up a flight of stairs without stopping to check a pretend text message because I was so winded that I couldn't go the rest of the way. It was it was horrifying to me to find out that I was possibly going to develop the same exact illnesses that are plaguing our country, but yet I was vegan and I was very outspoken about that fact. And I was in to some extent, you know, I was a public speaker and I was traveling around all the time, giving talks. It was, it didn't feel like it was part of who I was on the inside. It took me a long time to connect that. So once I started to pay attention to that and I became healthier and I lost ultimately nearly a hundred pounds, then Only then was I able to kind of complete the circle of of healing with food and bring the personal into the picture, not just the political.
0: A lot of people, when they think vegan diet, they automatically think um, weight loss, you know, like a lot of people do use a vegan diet as a way to lose weight. And how many, how, I mean, I, I listen to your podcast, I know that you guys do talk about how that is a misconception. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm wondering like that, I hear it all the time. Like people just equate vegan food with being healthy and you're saying that is not true. I mean, I know it's it can not, but I, it can be true,
1: but you know, that's kind of being a, that's being a, <laughs> any any diet can be perceived as healthy right. uh a, a well planned vegan diet can absolutely be the healthiest diet i mean the american dietetic association has has come out in a statement saying that a well planned vegan diet is appropriate for all life stages from in- infancy through old age inc- and including pregnancy um but for me i didn't consume a vegetable until i was 30 so i wasn't doing it right i was doing just the junk food version of it. And that's it. And I'm, I've been vegan now for 13 years and I was vegetarian long before that. And I have been a happy, healthy, well, I'm not always happy, but I'm, you know, as happy as I can be <laughs> most of the time. I've been a happy, healthy vegan for, for a long time now, many years, cause I finally was able to kind of nip it in the butt and, and realized that I needed to consume whole foods. And so my diet switched to whole foods and I, di- I juice fasted for three years every single month. So every month, 10, day juice yeah, 10 days, one month, three days, the next, then 10, then three, then 10, then three in between. I ate a diet rich in whole foods. I followed largely. I followed eat to live Dr. Furman, which is very similar to any other, you know, plan out there that talks about eating whole foods. T Colin Campbell, Caldwell Esselstein, same, same thing, plant heavy, oil low or no and that was what i did i uh i i saw fat sick and nearly dead you know the documentary mm-hmm. where joe cross juices his way back to health and he cures himself of autoimmune disease and i watched it and i said yeah i can do this and i did it and that was years ago that was in my early 30s and it's been it's been Uh, A remarkable journey because not only did it change my physical self, but it changed my view of the world. And honestly, it changed the world's view of me, which is another thing that I discuss a lot in my book.
0: We'll get to that in one second. I'm wondering a little bit about the juice fasting because I've – back in the day when I tried to juice fast for maybe, I don't know, two days and then it like resulted in the largest binge I've ever had in my life and I was like, that's never happening again. How was
1: that mentally and physically for you the first time? Okay. Well, I – interestingly enough, I – Vlogged. I know you're a vlogging expert. Mm-hmm. I vlogged the first ten days of my first juice fast, yeah. and that was, so so that was perfect because when I I know we're not talking about my book yet, but I just want you to know that I I talk about those ten days by day in my book. So I literally go right there. Okay, we just have and to read it, her book to find out. Just read the book. <laughs> <laughs> this interview is over. I'll talk to you. After I read the book. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think that juice fasting is for everybody. I say that in my book. My book is not a book on juice fasting, nor is it a book on weight loss. It's a book on finding peace within your body. and But for me, that involved juice fasting. And it, it, physically, it was not nearly as hard as I thought it would be. Not at all. In fact, when you when you just said a two-day juice fast, I thought to myself, oh, no, I could never do a two-day juice fast ever because to me, it just gets easier after the third day. Oh. So I'm not sure if it got to the point where it would get easier. And just like you know, I go running now, and just like when I go running, if I'm going to go running for three miles or for eight miles, it is always the last mile that is the most difficult, no matter no matter what, because psychologically it trips you out. So for me, with juicing, unless I decided ahead of time I'm going to be juicing for ten days, or I'm going to be juicing for for three days, I needed to have that as my marker. Uh, and it was fine. I got through it just fine. Cause psychologically I knew that I was, I was, I was in it, uh, physically. Yeah. Physically it wasn't, it, it wasn't nearly as hard because you're two hours later, you're always going to have a juice. And I, you know, I've, I, I did find that I didn't have as much energy as I did when I was consuming food. So I tried to like lay low work from home which I had the privilege of doing. And a lot of people don't, but you know, Marianne, uh, she was juice vesting with me and she was working at the time at an office and she would go to the office and she was fine. But you know, you try and keep social obligations to a minimum. You find out the tricks that work for you. Yeah. You still juice these days. Yeah. I've been on a book tour all year, so I haven't been able to this year because it, you know, I, I'm, I, I've, I've done 44 book events so far <laughs> this year, and I'm also running you know, an organization. So I I have not had the space in my schedule because I haven't been in the same spot, but I will have smoothie days, and I intend to start the juicing regimen again soon because I'm about to move and settle down in a new place where it will once again be able to fit into my schedule.
0: So for juicing newbies, since you are somebody who juices on the regular um what what machine would you recommend people get i'm sure you've gone through a bunch you know
1: what i i had a a breville and that's the brand that i would recommend uh but juice the juice trend the rage all rage it, it happened after i started and so juicers have changed a lot and living in new york city uh, what i eventually started doing for the first for the first 2 years i used my Breville and afterwards i started to do the the programs that you could buy wow. and Yeah. So in my book, I talk about I talk a lot about privilege issues and how, you know, fruits and vegetables are not subsidized by the government, but animal products are and how it's really complete bogus nonsense that juicing is not accessible to everybody. I talk about that. I talk about cheaper ways that you could have similar you know, s- similar outcomes to juicing, it wouldn't be exactly the same. But the reason I bring that up is because I-, I don't think that I can say right now today what the best juicer would be to buy. I can say that the folks who know are the folks who run the join the reboot community uh, which with which is Joe Cross that who made fat sick and nearly dead that that's just all the, all that they do over there. So they would be the best people to consult about the the perfect juicer now. They come out with new versions practically every month. Um, I I do tend to think not to go secondhand with a juicer. If you can swing it to to actually invest in one, spend a good $400 on it if you plan on juicing regularly. Uh, And, you know, that I learned the hard way by getting a secondhand juicer from the 70s that (laughs) didn't have any pulp, any juice whatsoever. It was basically just all like a uh, all pulp would come out and so i wasted a lot of money on the food a good juicer is going to squeeze the shit out of that vegetable right right okay good to know for everyone who's who's wanting to juice and did you
0: make like pulp crackers and stuff with the leftover
1: yes Yes, I did. I so, <laughs> I I had a super cheap dehydrator. I still have it. I think that my mom got it for me for Hanukkah when you're on QVC, and you know it was. It, I would make yeah, I would make dehydrated crackers, which you can also do in your oven if you don't have a dehydrator. So you just take the pulp and you could stick it even in the freezer and deal with it after your juice fast is over. Oh, that's a good uh, idea. Yeah, you don't want to mix all of the pulp together. Together. you would want to like keep the carrot pulp separate for example and then empty out the pulp and and then juice the the rest of the weird stuff or you're gonna end up with some pretty odd tasting cookies and crackers but that was really fun i never let anything go to waste and i also composted so otherwise it would have been too tragic so it's uh, there's
0: like a segment on your on your podcast where you sometimes cook and you, uh, yeah, you're not. You say you say that you're not like the best cook.
1: Not, no, that's actually. I have two podcasts. Our Hen House produces three podcasts, and two of them, I one, one, I two of them, I co-host. So the one you're talking about, it's not the our Hen House podcast, but it's the teaching Jasmine how to cook vegan podcast. Yes, and that is where there was a bit of an intervention. My friends were like, you really aren't the best cook. And I and I know, I know I'm not. I'm just busy and I've lived in New York for so long that I can just order Chinese food, you know, steamed tofu and broccoli and brown rice and pour some tahini and nooch on it and I'm good. Uh, but I... I, I have been learning how, thanks to Chef Laura Delhauer, who has been a remarkable teacher. And the, the recipes are very easy, so they're very jasmine friendly. And if I can make them, anybody can.
0: Yes, I like that. If it's jasmine friendly, that's a good. That's a good. Yeah, and honestly,
1: (laughs) I have a six-year-old niece. I'm not even exaggerating right now. There is no doubt in my mind that every recipe I have made, she would be able to make and and like follow the recipe herself. Like they're super simple, but sometimes that's what cooking is. It's just simple, and it's like thinking in new ways and trying new ingredients with with other ingredients and realizing it doesn't have to be a perfect science. It, it's it's sometimes about messing up and then laughing about it, throwing it out and ordering the Chinese food anyway. But that's kind of what the show is about. It's not – it doesn't take itself too seriously, and I've wound up making some of the best food I've ever had.
0: How did you get from somebody who did not eat a vegetable to somebody who
1: juices? good question you know it once I took the break when I from eating when I did my first juice fast but I I wasn't focusing on deprivation I was just focusing on all of the fruits and vegetables that I was consuming Consuming. So it wasn't like the summer of my anorexia, for example, which is something I talk about in my book. Uh, but I, I rather than focus on the numbers on the scale, I started focusing on the fact that as soon as I took a break from the Oreos that I was consuming regularly, which are vegan. Yes, I just
0: way, realized that uh, recently, <laughs> and was like,
1: "Oh, yeah, wow. yeah." That's pretty much what I thought when I realized that. I thought, "Oh, okay, <laughs> welcome back, old friend." Uh, I after I took a break for the first time from that and from the 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 copious amounts of vegan pizza I ate and the butterfinger milkshake and the vegan panini and when I took a break from that and I started to consume vegetables and actually stopped just mindlessly grabbing for like handful after handful after handful of these junk foods I realized that I was thirsty for them And it is annoying. I'm about to be one of those people who I used to hate when they would say this. But once you start to eat in a very whole foods based way, you actually start to crave those foods. My favorite meal on the planet is a macro plate without question. I was, you know, on my book tour when I've been in different cities. People always want to take me to that vegan restaurant in that city, and it's so great to go. But I was in Phoenix, and I, I, the people I was staying with were like, "Well, what do you want right now?" And I said, "Honestly, I want a, I want a green smoothie for breakfast, and tonight for dinner, I want a macro plate." And they were like, "Done." And that was my favorite eating day of my entire tour this year. Yeah, you know, it, you're just,
0: absolutely right about that because I'm the same exact way. Just having food be my job now. It's like when I have the choice, I want something that I know is going to be filling and will make me feel good.
1: Yeah, totally. So that's what I started to realize while I was juicing. And then it, the, the fact that I just felt better. You could see it in my vlog. Uh, the, there's 10 days of, of my vlogging for those first 10 days. And my skin clears up in those 10 days. I had adult onset acne in, I got it in my, or in my mid twenties. And, uh, you know, my skin is always the first, whenever I'm stressed out, it's always my skin. You'll be able to tell by my skin and it cleared up in those 10 days. And I, I had that, like, I had like this little glow and all I wanted was, was vegetables. The other thing that helped me was Just learning while every time I juice fasted, I always learned. I always read something. I watched videos every day. One thing. So it was, I already knew everything about why I wanted to be vegan as an extension of my worldview and as like who I wanted to show up as in the world. But I didn't have any clue as to who I wanted to show up as for myself that it was really old behavior that was playing out in in the way I was eating and in the disrespect I had for my body. I mean, it was basically distress. You know, I'm going through a period right now where I'm not drinking and uh, not saying that I will never drink again. But I'm just right now there's a lot happening in my life. And I decided I thought that I was maybe starting to get a little off kilter with my attitude about alcohol and it reminds me of how I had been with food. So I thought, well, I better just take that out for right now and see what comes up so that it was similar with food. You know, it was like the always too much and never enough, which is what my book is called. It was never enough to satisfy me, but it was always too much food. It was unending.
0: Yeah. Hey, I just had a thought. The last time I really had a drink, like really got drunk, you were there.
1: <laughs> Ooh, was it in Queens? It was in like No,
0: it was my bachelorette party. Oh yeah. <laughs> you did have a drink I did that have night. many drinks. <laughs> but I'm just thinking to myself that cuz for me, yeah, I I stopped drinking alcohol all the way back then. I mean, I've had like a cup of wine here and there like over the years, mm-hmm. but for the most part, I don't drink to get drunk ever anymore. It just It's funny when you cut things out because you just know that your life doesn't need it at that time. And then you're sometimes surprised to see, oh, I can live quite quite a nice life, actually.
1: I actually think the other the other mentality that could stem from that is it can also be transformative You, you, if I stop drinking and I'm so super aware of it then I'm like why am I so super aware of this like why is this a thing you know I was on the Rich Roll podcast not too long ago and I, I was talking to him about extremes and he said that he embraces extremes and he thinks that some of the biggest transformations in his life have happened at the most extreme moments and so you know, I, I, if, if people consider it extreme to stop a certain behavior of theirs, then I would say, well, what extreme benefit might come from that extreme removal yeah. of that habit? Yeah. It's something, I mean, honestly, I'm thinking out loud because this is something I am literally going through right now. It's funny that you said to me at the beginning of this interview, you're just, you know, exactly who you want to be and what you want to be. And I'm I'm in the middle of the biggest transition of my life. <laughs> so, you know. You'll figure, but... But that's always going to change. I mean, that's
0: another great thing to know is like, yeah, you are who you want to be, but that, what you want to be is constantly shifting.
1: Sure. Yeah. My book is just a moment in time and there's not really an end. It's not like at the end of it, I figure out how to find personal authenticity. I hope it's something that we're always seeking. And, and if we're lifelong learners, which you are, and that's one of the things that you bring so selflessly to the media that you produce is that you're learning too, along with your viewers and your listeners and, and your readers. So that's something that I feel privileged enough to go through the world doing is learning out loud I guess
0: yeah totally well we don't have much time left but I do want to have you answer this for me because I know people are listening and are like just wondering and and I know the answer to this and I know you would be able to explain it so much better than me is that question how are you vegan and how do you get enough protein I would like you to (laughs) answer that question
1: well, okay, I just have a question about the question. You said, how am I vegan? Oh, some people, no, wait. How, how do you eat vegan and get enough oh, protein? Okay. That's what I mean. OK, 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 because <laughs> that's that's I think uh,
0: what people ask all the time. And I've learned so much from listening to your podcast and through my friend Leslie Durso who's also vegan. But uh, I, I'm always like, well, you know, it's because plants, um, they got the protein. I don't know. So <laughs> so I'd like Jasmine to explain it.
1: Yeah. Well, I have a few answers to that. It, you know, it is something that people still question and wonder about. I think that, you know, me- marketing goes a long, long, long way and the mar- marketing is driven by by animal products but the truth is that we're not a nation that is deprived of protein you can tell by looking around you you know like look at everybody do they look like they don't get enough protein we are we are we have too much protein going on. Uh, I I get protein from beans and whole grains and vegetables and, and uh, soy products and, and, and just from, and, and and nuts and seeds and, and whole foods. If you eat whole foods, then you get enough protein period. For example, quinoa is extremely rich in protein Uh, and there is more protein in, in vegetables per pound than there is in meat. So it is, it's just a myth. It's, I would say just completely and totally take that worry out of your head and then move forward. Just assume you've been lied to because you have the, the myth comes from the industries that are, that are driving animal products and animal based foods. I, I, I also find that most of the time if you are craving something meaty it's really the sauce around it and the texture that you're craving so I will be able to replicate that with the vegan version of it and I know vegans who are gluten free I know vegans who are soy free and all of these people can get just the perfect amount of protein simply by eating in a healthy way that is totally not dependent at all on animal products
0: love it Love it. Okay, so before we wrap up, just want to touch on. I don't know if we can just touch on it, but I'm going to try. Just touch on what we were talking about earlier about how you said that the world changed its view towards you when you lost the weight.
1: Yeah. So I actually wrote an article for Mind Body Green about how after I lost nearly 100 pounds, the world started treating me very differently. And that article went viral, it got 100,000. Facebook shares in a day. And that was how I got the book offer. So that's a strong through line in my my book. It was something that, you know, men started holding doors for me and women were complimenting my blazer and, you know, people were very eager to smile at me, to ask me my name. It wasn't in a flirtatious way, but it was in an accepted way accepting way and i realized that i had been in the unique position of having jumped the fence from someone who the world had previously ignored or marginalized or othered into someone that the world had now celebrated or at least accepted and that really struck a chord with me not in the best way it made me really question not only people's motives but it it made me sad that i had been so uh Disregarded before just because I didn't conform to what society expected me to look like. And so that's something I talk about a lot in my book. And it's ultimately something that became a strong force in my activism because, after all, that is the basis of my activism, is how arbitrarily and easily, we just cast certain individuals aside and celebrate other ones. We consume certain individuals and we idolize others. So, it, it you know, and going back to the very beginning of our call, my activism began at Nightstar. It began with the AIDS awareness movement that you and I were involved in in our early 20s. And it, it, it to me, my animal rights activism was just an an extension and an expansion of that. To me, I see all social justice issues as a different spoke on the same wheel of just basically trying to fight for the liberation of uh, individuals who are oppressed for whatever reason. So that's something that really spoke to me on a personal level after I lost the weight and realized just how much I was treated as less than before.
0: Wow. I love you, Jasmine Singer. I love you too, Lynn Jen. <laughs> I'm so happy we got a chance to do this. So um, where can people f- just give us the whole spiel of where people can find you, your podcast, your book, et cetera. Yeah.
1: Well, my social security number is one 14- <laughs> I my book is called Always Too Much and Never Enough. And it is a memoir. You could learn more at jasminsinger.com. There's no E on Jasmine, which is super annoying of my mom to have done that to me. Uh, but it's J-A-S-M-I-N singer.com and our henhouse is the podcast that I co-host with Marianne Sullivan and you could find it at our org, or you could find it on iTunes or Stitcher. I also co-host with Laura Delhauer, the teaching Jasmine how to cook vegan podcast and we produce the Animal Law podcast as well, which Marianne hosts because she is an animal law expert and professor. And you can find us on Facebook at Our Hen House. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, just at Jasmine Singer, on Twitter at Our Hen House or at Jasmine underscore Singer, and on Instagram, Our Hen House or Jasmine Singer author.
0: Whew. Girl, you have more handles and whatnot it's really than, than I do. And I thought I had a lot. so. I'm gonna have links to all this. you just go to the actorsdiet.com click on click on podcast, look up jazz and singer and I will have links to all that because has a lot.
1: I know, I
0: know I have a problem. No, it's not a problem. it's wonderful.